You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life, wherever you are today and however you're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. We thank you again for making us a part of your morning, your day, and your week. We're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and the Twitter. Download, subscribe to our show, like, share, subscribe us. Wherever you are, however you're doing that, we thank you for it. And we thank you for your support. Well, we are back and better than ever. You know, we're in the beginnings of football season, college and NFL. And that's when I see it the most. What's it? I don't know what it is about football that makes us do crazy things. I thought it was just sports, period. But I'm realizing more and more that it's not. I don't see it in tennis. I don't see it in golf. I don't see it in boxing. I don't see it in baseball or basketball either, except in a few Isolated incidents. I only see it in football. We put on a t-shirt and a jersey or a hat and raise up our team-inspired flags and paint ourselves in team colors and whatever the tradition of choice may be, and we change. Why do we morph into a totally different person without morals or common sense when football is in play? I'm not demeaning sports because, to be real, it's been a part of my life for just about all of my life. As a matter of fact, I was probably a, a sports fan uh, under duress when I was in the womb. I heard the sounds of sports in my ears. I'm just asking for a friend, man. I'm trying to find out why when we get to this point in the season or the calendar year, we begin to change so much. I'm seeing a lot of uh, literal examples of that, and it's, it's, it's kind of disheartening to see it. How's it evolve into something where that we use uh a medical excuse to throw unidentified flying objects at athletes or other fans. How do we get to that place as a people, as a society? How do we get to the place where it gets that deep and that vicious and be laden with that much rage? I mean, deep down, somewhere inside of us, we have to know. I don't think we need another human being to tell us that we don't play for our favorite teams. I mean, we have to know that, right? You don't do two-a-days. You don't watch hours of game film. You're not getting pancaked by a 330-pound linebacker or old lineman. You love them, and you root for them every week, but you don't play for them. When you go out in public and soar your reputation, it doesn't impact your favorite team. It may put you on a worse fan base list and make the fan base look bad, but it doesn't impact your favorite team. You're not defending their honor. 
You're not giving them more credence by punching somebody in the face because they talk bad about your team. What they can do is give evidence to others that you are not, especially not a winning part of a fan base that's either delusional, entitled, or unable to handle or manage success. They are pulled out there for this kind of stuff, man. Incidents of bad behavior. We just add to it when we do stuff like this. But at the end of the day, you still don't play for the team you love so much. You're not bound by NDAs and ethical violations or contract stipulations. At least not for your favorite teams. But when you go out into the marketplaces, you're supposed to have your own barometer. Your own measuring stick on how you're going to act, conduct yourselves, and deal with affairs, conflicts, unforeseen circumstances, and things like that. When you go out into the marketplace, you're supposed to have your own barometer. When I was a kid, mine was my mother. That sounds funny, I guess, when you think about it. The term mama's boy was the term thrown around in those days for people who had situations like mine's. But when I was a kid, my barometer was my mother. I didn't know the Lord was enough to care about embarrassing him. We didn't have a, a, a relationship really at that point. I thought he was too busy to be thinking about me, to be honest with you. That, 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 that's what religion teaches us. I learned over the years that God is very mindful of me and my conduct matters to him greatly. Why? Because he loves me, number one. And number two, because I represent him. In a father and child dynamic, I represent him. When your child goes to daycare and starts biting and kicking people and scratching and punching people, that reflects on you. And there will be some questions coming to you pertaining to what's going on in your household that makes this little guy or this little girl bring the kind of attitude and demeanor to the daycare. Your child represents the father. When I was a kid, my mom was my barometer. I thought about that. Every time I went out to the streets to play, practice sports, have fun, or what have you. I came from a rough neighborhood, so stuff always happened. Something always came up. We always got... Uh, had some kind of a conflict or issue or confrontation. It happened all the time, almost on a daily basis. I literally had to base every decision that I took on one thing. If my mother would be proud of me, if she saw me do this. That's how I live my life. I'm not sure if daddy's boy would have yielded better results, but anyway, I mean, that was my life. That's where I was. And it wasn't that I was, I mean, I had a healthy fear of my mother, but at the same time, it wasn't like, you know, she was God or anything, but I just wanted to make sure that I didn't disrespect her and make her life harder. I, I knew enough to care about that. I was wise enough to care about that. I was concerned about the impact, the impact of my actions on her. I mean, she did so much stuff for our family and I saw her sacrifices firsthand. I saw her lack of sleep. I saw her falling asleep in her in her in her, in her in her textbooks. I saw her working multiple jobs and going to school just so she could have her own house and not live check to check. The last thing I wanted to do on earth was disappoint her. I didn't want to screw it up. I felt responsible for keeping things afloat on my end. She wouldn't ask me to do anything that a kid normally wouldn't do. I was considered a last key kid, so I had my own key. I would leave and come home on my own. Or she'd work multiple jobs and go to school. 
I was responsible for getting myself up along clockwise, making sure I, I woke up on time. I was responsible for getting to the bus stop or getting to the train and getting back home safe. That was my job. The last thing I wanted to do was screw that up and make a mess of things and cause problems. I didn't work. I didn't add to the finances. I didn't have to learn complicated medical procedures or organizational strategies. I just went to school and tried to be a decent human being, but still, I was part of the team, at least in my own way. I cooked sometimes, so mom didn't have to cook. I cleaned up, I swept the floor, I vacuumed the rug and the carpets, I made the beds, I did a little dusting, I did my homework so I wouldn't add more problems. Every decision I made in and outside of my home was seen through those lenses. Don't embarrass the family. Make mom look bad. That evolved into not wanting God to look bad when I called myself a Christian. I mean, a non-Christian could easily say, see, that's why I don't mess with those Christians. That's how they act when they're not in church. They just fake. My response to angry people, my compassion for those who have less, how I treat those I call my friends or how I conduct myself among my enemies are all indicators of the team that I'm on. See, it's not about a t-shirt or a hat or a jersey, but we're all on a team. It's not like in the NFL where there's 32 teams. There's only two teams in this scenario. And we can play for both of them. When we choose one, we have not chosen the other. There's only two teams. When we choose one, we have not chosen the other. See, I think in some way, maybe I could be off on this, but somewhere in this, I think we've forgotten our purpose. So we find ourselves out of position. We function out of character and we do things that are not indicative of the end game that we say we want. Hear those words carefully. The the end game that we say we want. See, the fan in, in the realm of sports has notoriously thought themselves to be above the team. They can throw items onto the field, throw items at athletes because they didn't do something that was pleasing to them. They can shout obscenities, racial slurs, and make threats. They can even type out stuff on their computers and send them to intended targets. The fact that fan is short for fanatic is not an excuse for criminal behavior. I'm not a lawyer, but I learned this in several criminal justice Courses that I took in the past, <clears throat> some uh, criminal justice stuff, and you can actually assault somebody with your words. I didn't know that until I took those courses. See, battery refers to the actual wrong act of physically harming somebody. That's what happens when you lay hands on somebody in a physical way. That's battery. Assault is different, though. And when I learned that, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. I learned something, I learned something from a, a, a very noted criminal justice professional, former police officer, investigator, the whole nine yards. Assault refers to something different than battery. Assault refers to the wrong act of causing somebody to reasonably fear imminent harm. This means that the fear must be something that a reasonable person would foresee as threatening to them. Assault refers to the wrong act of causing someone to reasonably fear imminent harm. This means that the fear must be something a reasonable person would foresee as threatening to them. If you didn't shut me down, you heard some key phrases there that if you use your 
social media account in the wrong way, it's an open and shut case against you. So think about what I'm saying now. Assault, everything I said in, those, in the definition of assault, didn't have anything to do with laying on hands. You're going to assault somebody with your mouth. People talk about social media being accessible, but we feel inclined to help keep it that way. I don't really understand why we do that. Why do we feel obliged to add to the denigration and make it more of what it shouldn't be? We point fingers at others and laugh at their reels and whatever, but why do you participate? Why do you participate? We're talking about teens and we talk about how vigorously we fight for our team and we love our team and we wear their colors with proud, proud and loud attitudes. But why do you participate? See, so-called diehard fans that been trying to sell me for a long time on the innocence of their tweets and posts on social media. But I'm not buying it. The stuff that we say and we do has an impact on people. You think calling poor, uneducated people inbreds and other assorted words don't leave a lasting impression? Those are the kind of rocks that leave a mark. We talked about the power of words many times in this podcast. Many more than any other single topic we had. Why? Because it's at the core of everything that we do. It's the impetus for every single solitary day that we have. It's how your days start and end. It's how relationships thrive and how relationships fall. It's the key to your success or an average life, whichever you prefer. You can go through your life and never accomplish what you were made to do. And your words play a part in that. At the end of the day, we are team players. The only question is, which team are we actually members of? And are we doing our part to enhance, inspire, and lift up the team? So you're thinking about sports, but like I said, you don't play for the team and they don't pay you. They don't endorse you. We're ignoring the team that really matters. Amazing how easily it is to drop our religion, our morals, and our value system from September through February for the sake of a sport, for our favorite teams. For about six months, we act outside of ourselves so much that we don't even fit anything of value there anymore. It doesn't strengthen our, strengthen our families. It doesn't, doesn't produce fruitful relationships that last for years. What it may actually do is undo all the good things that we tried to accomplish. This is really serious. It's really not about sports. It's really all about our attitude and who we are and who we represent. When we're out in the marketplaces and out in the streets, out in the communities, out in the world. You're part of a different team. One that's way more important than the one that you got a, a shirt and a jersey and a hat for. You don't get paid in accolades or endorsements, but you matter still. Be alert about what you say and what you do. There's a cost for everything that you say and a cost for everything that you do. You're more than a jersey or a hat. You represent the kingdom. And you got to decide if you're back on the right horse. Wherever you are today and however you're hearing, they call me Mr. You, the podcast. Thank you again for making us a part of your morning, your day, and your week. With your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and the Twitter. Like, share, and subscribe. Go change the world. Enjoy the music. Coach out.
Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.